Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for this morning. It's from the first book of the Kings, the 19th chapter. My dear friends in Christ, 49 years. In 1973, the Supreme Court made that horrible decision to put that law into effect that every state, regardless of its citizens, would have to allow abortion. I didn't just say that this is going to be capped at 12 weeks or 20 weeks. Roe v. Wade codified abortion to occur at any moment of pregnancy right up until the baby's actually born. It took 49 years of work from the pro-life community, one which many of you have been members. But it was finally decreed that Roe is undone as of this last Friday. Praise God. As of January of this year, 63,459,781 babies have been murdered since Roe v. Wade passed. A holocaust, a genocide of 63 million babies was the cost of this law. 63 million babies were sacrificed at the altar of Molech, an ancient god that demanded the sacrificial death of infants. Sixty-three million babies. It wasn't worth it. I worked in the pro-life community for a time. My family has a long history of working there. Many of you, through your work with the Place of Refuge and in other places, you've also been a part of this community. We've prayed, we've lobbied, we've begged, we've supported mothers and families and taught men to be fathers. And finally, after 49 years, we have the right again to keep abortion out of our state. Our work begins now. We still have to support mothers and fathers and babies and children. We have to keep standing for life, not just against abortion. It's not enough to make abortion unthinkable. We, the church, must work to do, one, bring people to repentant faith in Jesus Christ, and two, support families as best we can to give them a fighting chance in this world. I can only imagine what it must have felt like 49 years ago. Faithful Christians waking up that day and realizing that their own home was now sanctioning the murder of the unborn. How alone they must have felt. And since then too, how alone they must have felt for years, fighting against the culture, fighting against the law, fighting for what's right, even while your tax dollars were spent subsidizing abortion, even while people firebombed pregnancy care clinics, while you've been slandered and demonized for not wanting people to murder their babies. You feel alone. That feeling is not an uncommon thing. Elijah felt this way. Elijah thought that he was the last faithful person in all of Israel because everyone else had either been killed by Jezebel and her minions or had bowed down to Baal. He had been running for what seemed like ages. He was afraid. 
He wasn't just afraid for his life, but he feared what the Lord was going to do to Israel because of their unfaithfulness. He feared for everything. And he felt alone. He finds a cave to hide in and rest. And God comes to Elijah through his word and asks what he's doing there. Now, Elijah knows that he's actually here in the wrong. He's feared far too much, and he hasn't left it in God's hands. And worse, he has run from his duty of preaching the word to those who need to hear it. So Elijah begins to prevaricate. Oh, uh, I've been very jealous for you. Everyone else has gone astray. I'm the only prophet left. And I just ran to make sure you had at least that one prophet left. But that's not what God is looking for. Elijah felt alone. And so he acted alone. And so alone he stood upon that mountain. And he saw the wind shake the mountain apart. And he saw the earthquake topple stones. And he saw fire burn up everything around him. And there he was standing alone like a soul tree that survives a windstorm when everything else is knocked down. He was alone there. I think sometimes it's normal for us to feel alone. You never are. Because God is always with you. But it is normal to feel that way. Loneliness leads to fear. What if no one loves me? What if I'm never happy? What if I'm alone forever? And that, of course, leads to sin because we don't trust God. And so we should pray. We pray so that we never feel alone because when we speak the word of God, we know that he's with us. He surrounds us with the voice of the scriptures. And we can rejoice because we are never left alone, but we always have Christ near us and in us. Elijah must have been praying right then because he was alone. Himself only was spared. It wasn't Jezebel taking the prophets down. It was God destroying field and forest, vale and mountain, flowery meadow, flashing sea, they all disappeared. And Elijah was standing alone. The word of God came to him in a still, small voice, a low whisper, and asked again, What are you doing here, Elijah? Now Elijah sees. He sees that he has been protected by God. He sees that he has been guided by God. And though he gives the same answer as before, now it is predicated on the fear of the Lord, not the fear of Jezebel, not the fear of the sword, not the fear of loneliness. Now he sees it is God only he should fear and him alone. For all those who have fought for the lives of the unborn, you have fought well. 
And now the Lord has used the Supreme Court this week to strike down an unjust law. And now we stand and see that no matter what else happens, no matter if people attack us, besmirch us, vandalize or destroy this building, it is God only we should fear. For He alone can do marvelous things. He alone can transform the hearts of those who are violent. He alone can change the minds of those set to murder their children. He alone can restore the family to a place of prominence and rightness. He alone can bring fathers back to their children. He alone can strengthen a marriage. He alone can preserve those who live lives of celibacy and singleness. He alone can do marvelous things, and He alone should we fear for His marvelous works. We have put our hope, then, in a God who is greater than violence, angry words, or death. We have put our hope in a God who has conquered death in Jesus Christ, We have put our hope in a God who gives to us the forgiveness of sins so that we might live an everlasting life like His. God comes to you this day in a still, small voice, a low whisper. He doesn't come with angry words. He doesn't come screaming for His rights. He doesn't come with graffiti. He doesn't come tearing down every institution. He doesn't come in wind or earthquake or fire. He comes with his word, just as he did with Elijah. He comes surrounding you with his word, speaking his forgiveness, speaking his promises over you. You are not alone, for the Lord is with you. You are not alone. You have been called here by the very word of God. And this word accompanies you each and every moment of your lives until, like Elijah, you are taken to the bosom of Jesus. You are not alone. You are with Christ. And he is with you now and always. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.